I got to figure out why your chair creaks because other people's don't. But some of them are missing bolts, so we have to buy replacement <laughs> bolts. Okay. Uh oh. <laughs> Our chairs are falling apart. Or we should just get new chairs because these chairs are are not ideal. They're so lovely looking though. Yeah. Not anymore. They look like a butt. Um, sat on them for years, which it did. It's. It's July 28th, 2016. This is Idle Thumbs 273. I'm Chris Remo. I'm James Spafford. And I'm Jake Rodkin. Sorry, Nick. No podcast for you this week. Wow. Yeah. We, we told Nick, he's got to get in shape before he can come back on this podcast. I mean, I don't, know. I don't know. I actually don't know what Nick's doing right now. But he's not here. He's probably shaping up. But Spaff is. Let's just say I he's am. shaping up. Yeah. When Nick comes back next week, which I imagine He'll he will. He'll be fully shaped up. Yeah. <laughs> fully functional. Shape. Normal, a fully guy, functional Nick shape. Brecken, shaped man. Are you? Is this like is talking about his shape? Some sort of quadrilateral reference? Obviously, clearly. Of course, of course. <laughs> Nick will be shaped up into a into a, a perfect. Qu- I guess there's a he'll be a perfect he'll be a quadrilateral cowboy. I guess a perfect yeah, he's quadrilateral a would be a square, right? That's subjective. It's fair. Are true. you saying Nick is a square? <laughs> Nick's such a square. <laughs> True fact. He'll he'll shape up into a wackier quadrilateral with like weird oh, angles. Whoa, like yeah. a rhombus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Parallelogram. 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 Stop. Stop. Sorry. I mean, you keep going. It's fine. Parallelogram. Okay. Tell us about your cowboy, Jake. Uh oh. Okay, I'll tell you about my my. Well. So Nick Brecken. Nick Brecken. Uh, this my week, cowboy. This week on Idle Thumbs, we're going to talk about a lot of games that we've either talked about a lot before or <laughs> uh, worked on in some capacity or know people who worked on, I guess. That's uh, the recurring <laughs> yeah, that's theme of this week's podcast. It's um, true. But I am going to talk about Quadrilateral Cowboy because it came out this week. It's... Um, and I like I like it a ton. It's a new game from Brendan Chung, aka Blendo Games, who made Thirty Flights of Loving and uh, Adam Zombie Smasher, which you may have played, and Gravity Bone, which you may have read about on uh, a lot, um, <laughs> which you may have read about in anything you've read about Brendan Chung. Yes, because it's always mentioned. Because <laughs> they talk about it all the time. I mean, justifiably. Anyway, Quadrilateral Cowboy is a first-person. Uh, Hacking puzzle heist game. You 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 play as one of three hackers in a sort of fictionalized hyper cyberpunked version of the of the nineteen eighties. You basically go into these virtual simulations of various heists that you and your crew are going to do, and you and you get through them by dropping down a nineteen eighties. Like briefcase laptop and break in and break into the computer system that powers these spaces. So you sort of you open doors and disable security cameras and whatever else to try and sneak in and uh, achieve your objectives. And uh, I don't know how to dis- how to, how do I get into what what is enjoyable about this game? It's um, I think you know the thing that's enjoyable about it is that it in hacking into the sort of doors and grates and lasers and cameras and all of the things that you're interacting with in order to uh, plan your safe route through these levels, there is something that happens where it feels like you're creating something that's, that is coming from you, even though it's all there. Like, it's all prescribed to some extent. I mean... It's, it's a puzzle game almost... It, 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 it's very anal- analogous 
to Portal, which I didn't mm. expect. Mm, um, interesting. I mean, I feel like that's... It doesn't that, feel that way to me, but I'm curious to hear this. Oh, I, I think in, in Portal, you have a Portal gun, and you're given these sort of set of prescribed test chambers. You know, you're like, okay, there's going to be... I'm starting here, and my objective is to get to that thing. Um, and I have the tool that is the Portal gun, and there's very much the developer prescribed route you can sort of feel in a portal game okay i i suspect that the developer put this white wall panel up here because i'm supposed to go in there pick up this block pull it through there and set it on this plate Mm -hmm. but you can also because there's a lot of physics in that game and because it's a first person movement based game you can sort of squirm around on edges or do a weird end around or accidentally come up with a solution 3,000 times more Baroque (laughs) than the developers intended Mm -hmm. that still has the same effect of making you get through it and feel like a boss. And I feel like Quadrilateral Cowboy has some of that going on in it where I sort of, I know like I can type in a chain of commands that will open a door for three seconds and turn a camera off and then I'll be able to get into the next room which gets me one step closer to the contracts that I need to photograph that I saw at the beginning of the level. Um, But alternatively, I've seen in YouTube videos, people just do completely outrageous stuff where you can, Mm -hmm. you can, in some of the earlier levels that only use the hacking deck, you can program one gigantic string command that will basically complete the level for you in one go. Or there are people who just absolutely don't understand what they're doing and end up, (laughs) you know, doing 3000 additional steps. But, Mm -hmm. um, but the end result still f- feels like – I mean, you still end up completing the, the puzzle at the end and you end up getting you, – you, you feel happy about yourself. Yeah. I liked how accessible Man, hold on. Hacking is. Oh, oh yeah, I agree. Real, um, really quickly, uh, there was Good someone in response to last week's <laughs> podcast who, who pointed out enjoying Jake's like video game worldview in which oh. reactions to all games are filtered through Valve games. I know. That's, that's very <laughs> often the case. It's, it's, I, I play and like those games – yeah. A lot, and they're really foundational yeah. for no, my no, PC that, gaming experience. But I also think that this style of first-person mm-hmm. physical simulated puzzler came out of sure. Portal really that's sure. an easy touchstone. Is what I was thinking of as well when I kind of first booted it up, and I was like, "Oh, I, I, this is far more like Portal than I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be." I feel more comfortable now in with yeah, that knowledge. I, I think that there are people who thought that maybe it was going to be, t- to your point a second ago, that it was going to be some sort of like deep hacking simulator. But it's more uses simplified string commands, which um, I think you were saying, Chris, or maybe you were getting to, the fact that you end up typing all this stuff in from scratch and you sort of can browse the directory structure and look at the world and figure out what commands you enter, it ends up feeling like you are creating a really simplified version of code and you are sort of figuring out the system. But at the same time, you're you're basically – the commands that you're issuing are really simple and really repeatable and to the point that they, they almost feel just like a, a – a simple mechanic that then ends up getting mm-hmm. like not abstracted, but like instead complicated, like right, right. by the fact that you're typing in all the letters by hand and you can introduce typos and mm-hmm. you can get command strings backwards and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And I, I understand where you guys are coming from. Um, why did I, it not feel like that for you? Uh, well, it so structurally, I can understand why it did. Um, in the moment, it does, it doesn't because I guess because for me, so much of Portal is the uh, the sort of physicality and momentum and inertia of it, and that just that just is that just flatly isn't a part of um, quadrilateral cowboy. You know, it just doesn't. It's just not the kind of game it is at all. Um, I do I do see where you guys are coming from, but I guess um, as someone who has done, you know, so I'm not a programmer certainly, but like, but I you know I've done a fair amount of programming. I've done a lot of web development. I've done some game programming, and uh, 
probably as someone who is <laughs> some kind of saw happening in the background. <laughs> There's I'm sorry, surely but... <laughs> some sort of cyber hacker breaking into the yeah. really expensive like <laughs> tech security company next door, which actually is there, I believe. So yeah. let's, let's just assume that quadrilateral cowboy like is city, making the teens. A whole, a whole city block is about to get hacked. Yeah. Video games have bad effects on people. If you play quadrilateral <laughs> cowboy all weekend, you might use hacking a buzzsaw teams. to hack into a yeah. great. That's true. That's exactly uh, the kind of hacking that would happen. Like very physical, like old right. school. It's yeah. Not like yeah. Well, I like that sometimes in the game you just like, you know, um, take the bolts out of a grate. And take the, anyway, so <laughs> yeah. to finish my thought. Um, oh, well, the, no, to, to, to finish your interjection, some of the best solutions that I've seen on YouTube involve people realizing if they're just about to beat a level uh, and the 10-second alarm is going to go off, sometimes the fastest solution is actually to pick up a physics object, throw it through the window, and then just jump to the extraction point, which is totally valid. That must be how, okay, so on the very first level, <laughs> wow. all of the best times are like, you know, Two minutes, like one and a half minutes, and I'm like, holy shit, that's crazy. Oh, I wonder if people and are smashing Brent, the window. And then, <laughs> no, but then Brendan's time is number one in the 15 seconds. And I'm like, is he literally just like smashing the window, running in, grabbing it, and running out? It's a, like, I, anyway, whatever. Um, so as Sorry, someone your, who's your not, point. yeah, as someone who's not a great programmer, like, who's not a great programmer, but who has done enough programming to sort of understand what is engaging and challenging and like fun and sometimes frustrating about it. When you, you know, like the first time you ever make something work in a programming language, it's like it's really excited, exciting and it feels like creation even though you're literally just like following instructions that someone else has written for you. Right. And you already you're, know you're exactly code what's bringing happen. the world to life basically. Right. Yeah. 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 Like even though it's like, yeah, okay, this has been solved a million times by millions of people and it's not a big deal. Um, and, but there's some that, – that's sort of – those feelings – that you get when you start understanding how that stuff works is how this game makes me feel. Um, and I, I just think that's really, I just think that's really impressive and cool. Uh, and when you start chaining stuff together, I mean, obviously there's no like looping construction in this game, which is a pretty key difference between it and, um, sort of more real programming. But like when you start chaining a bunch of stuff together, you just kind of feel like a hacker in that way that, I will never actually be. I'll never actually have those <laughs> skills. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it's the kind of, you know, usually the way a game would make you feel that way is by having the character just do all that stuff and then you do all the, like, sneaky stuff. But this game has both parts of it. Uh, like, you would have, you know, the, typically a game would just, like, relegate that stuff to cutscenes or it would have you play Pipe Dream or it would, right. you know, like, have you... Um, just put points into a hacking skill and then roll a die, essentially, yeah, to we, figure out if you got in or not. We talked about this element of the game, I think, way back when when Brendan was demoing this uh, for, for the first time. Like, Quadrilateral Cowboy has been in development for something like five years. But it just even as early as what, maybe like the third the third mission, which is actually, I believe, listed as mission two because the missions are zero indexed, which cracks me up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you get this almost like cyber cyberpunk version of like a Thomas Crown Affair style or like Ocean's Eleven style situation where the same room that you've been, you often do three quests in the same space, sort of increasingly mm-hmm. elaborate heist. And the third one that the game has you do is one that requires you to master at least having like 90 seconds of code executing completely independently of you. Uh, because again, like Portal, there are these uh, yellow blobby walls that when you walk through your computer deck right. pops out of you and you can't have it. Very similar to the walls in Portal that make your portals disappear. So you have to create some sort of uh, autonomous mechanism of code in this game, and that 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 first moment when right. you just have like 
when you you go and snatch the thing that you're supposed to snatch out of the room, walk around, and you basically are are the character who look, looks at their watch and goes, "Okay, door opens. Okay, right. vent starts <laughs> so, like executing air, and then you just pop yeah. out, and then the skylight opens automatically, and then you just stroll outside on scene. Very no, very that's good. awesome. And here's actually like to me the 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 thing that makes this in my brain different to Portal, even though. Uh, as you say, there is that uh, that that conceit mechanically in the world that is similar to Portal, which is like can't walk through here, your thing gets destroyed. Which is so video game. So the process of creation of anything, right? Mm-hmm. Designing or creating pretty much anything, generally speaking, involves iteration, either on your own skills or on the like creation of the thing through revision, editing, you know, rewriting, whatever. Um, and that's true of most video games as well, right? Like in most video games, you die or you restart a thing and you try again and you iterate on your own ability to do the thing again and again and again. But that's sort of like practicing uh, for performance, right? Yes. In the sense of like a musician or something. And that's that's what Portal is. This is like you're iterating on a creation. You're iterating on like, at least in some cases, like the level you're describing, you're iterating on like a full sequence of these commands that you are going to have to like... The time that it works, it will work once you relinquish your like direct control yes. over it and say, go <laughs> now. And now it is working. And if it fails, it's because you messed something up when you were actually constructing it. And then po- there are cases where in this game, sometimes when that happens, you can actually sort of ad lib around it and make it work again in the real time. But, you know, often you don't. Either way, like that process is something that is really yes. uh, special. Not not unique in video games certainly, but uncommon and mm-hmm. really cool. It's it's the way the thing you bring up about about Portal totally tracks because like if you think of of Portal or a lot of the Portal alikes like Tag the Power of Pain or even things like um, I mean even things like The Witness or that really heavily mirror based uh, puzzle game. Wow, what was the man? What was that that first person puzzle game that came out uh, like maybe a year before the witness? Talos Principle. Yeah, Talos Principle. Like in oh, those things, oh. you as the player are even if even if you are manipulating devices, you as the player are basically the vessel through which all of the solutions happen. Like your position in the world, or sort of you. I, I don't know. Like I mean, it's less so with with the witness and Talos Principle, but especially in Portal and most of its direct descendants. Uh, you're you are you always have to be in the place where right. everything is happening. Whereas in Quadrilateral Cowboy, you don't until I think the game goes on. The thing that actually makes this game feel very special to me is when your crazy machines and you as the player both have to be operating at the same time. I think that's when the game goes is like at its best. Like some of my my strongest memories of playing through this game are things like orchestrating all of the security devices perfectly so that then I have a 10-second window to push a safe literally mm-hmm. out the window and then yeah. have a crazy Christopher <laughs> Nolan-esque sequence where I'm f- watching the safe tumble slowly beneath me as we drop like 30 stories to the extraction point and I'm falling behind it and then we both crash to the ground. Right. Or yeah, it has the performance part as well. Yeah, or yeah. like there's yeah. there's an amazing piece later in the game which I don't want to get too into specifics of, but it, was, it feels like a moment out of... Uh, like some 70s techno thriller or something where you're um, adjusting a sniper scope that has to perfectly look at a switch in a building across this huge <laughs> courtyard. Uh, but then also there's things milling around in front of it. So you're watching this tiny CRT of a camera uh, waiting for the perfect moment that you then execute code that will fire uh, a bullet to hit a switch. Uh 
but you're by the time that code executes, you've set up this shot perfectly, and you have a completely different vantage point, and you're just like watching and waiting to, to <laughs> press yeah. a button that'll turn a laser grid off for three seconds uh, from like what feels like miles away. Uh, so that you can then slip into a room undetected. Awesome. And like that combination of crazy code execution and physically based mm-hmm. object setup and your position in the world all coming together yeah. to create a moment that then makes you feel like you're in the conversation or some old Robert Redford right. movie. Like Yeah, parallax view. Yeah, the yeah. the all of the simple things coming together to make that moment is is totally, totally good. Also, yeah. we didn't we are not getting into any of this stuff, but like a lot of other Brendan Chung games, like if you played 30 Flights oh, or Gravity yeah. Bone, especially there is a ton of visual detail in this world. I mean, it's all that sort of lo-fi, mm-hmm. uh, really simplistic geometric uh, burn and chunk stuff, but the sort of character stories and crazy world building and really surprising architecture and color design. Uh, and, and, just, and just naming of things. And just everything yeah. is nope, named nope. the best things. Yeah. Yep. Everything feels great in that game. It- is yeah. this still, it's not the Quake 2 engine. He was using this one is Doom done in the Doom 3 engine. So there's <laughs> really? real-time shadows and physics and it's, stuff. It's, it's like Doom 3 with all of the sort of texturing and uh, modeling style that he's been using since he was using the Quake 2 engine, but with the increased... Sort of lighting and texture and uh, like yeah, the, the textures texture are all the textures are all higher res and there's real time shadows on everything, so like the uh, the lighting is just way more dynamic and a lot of that like uh, 3D UI drawing yeah, the, textures I, I on think, surfaces. I think the real reason so that he's good. using Doom Three is uh, like is because UI. the the hacker deck that you can drop is just a physics object that you can put anywhere, and then when you click on it, it's running basically a DOS prompt mm-hmm. in world all the time, and there's other a couple other screens that you can touch, which was I remember an un. We are being hacked to shit. Yeah. <laughs> it was a sort of unsung but really, really cool feature of Doom 3 was that it had all that in-world, just seamless UI where any computer console you could touch, your reticle would just turn into the mouse cursor. And this uh, yeah. game... Above us right now in the studio, people are installing a new floor. <laughs> yeah, the... so we lost a bit of audio just there. Jake, you were saying something about how... Uh, rad this game is and do you like it <laughs> I do That's, I, that was your complex thought that I've I've oh I think accurately... we were, I think we were just talking about the the aesthetics and the narrative oh, content right. and that sort yeah. of stuff yeah. anyway mm-hmm. it's got a lot of that stuff it mm-hmm. um it's Again, very much like famous video game portal which people at one point <laughs> thought was just a bunch of test chambers there is in fact a very nice and interesting story that is yeah. that I find to be well told and evocative cool. yeah Br- Brendan is is a so I don't know, Jake, I was saying this to you the other day, um, and this is a very silly thing to say, but like, I, just because it's like an un- <laughs> This is what I'm about to this say. It's really like, very silly. It's just, I just, by which I mean, it's like, it's a statement that can't be like demonstrated or proven, but I, I really think Brendan is, is one, I mean, if not the, one of the most just sort of overall well-rounded and interesting and impressive game developers working in any context today. Um, by which I don't mean that, like, you know, his games are, like, officially the best games or anything, but as, like, an individual person who's largely making every part of the games he makes, um, he has a a, a complete sensibility that carries across his games even as they span a ridiculous range of genres. Like, he's he's mainly known... The games people always talk about are... 30 Flights of Loving, and Gravity Bone, but actually his biggest hit to date was Adam Zombie Smasher, um, which is a really clever kind of mix of tower defense and sort of um, like zombie viral spread kind of mechanics with sort of an XCOM strategy layer sort of thing. 
Um, and then he and he, also a bunch of something? crazy narrative content and world yeah, building. And exactly. like it's yeah. all the stuff Chris described, but then also imagine it with sort of comic book interstitials and the entire thing is set to a surf rock soundtrack. So you right. feel like you're just like I don't know. It gives a crazy yeah. impression of what your sort of military op is like. That mm-hmm. is almost like an apocalypse now esque feeling on right. top of every on top of all of the other tower defensey XCOM stuff. And then he he made a game called Flotilla, which is oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, which is like a sort of crisscross between a choose your own adventure story in space and this like pseudo turn based. Um, th- com- like fully 3D, like six degree, six degree space, 3D space, space combat, strat- strategy, or, or strategy combat, combat yeah. thing. Yeah, um, and and all of these games are all tied into his shared universe, the sort of Nuevo Seres kind of extended universe, which is you know a lot of video games are like the like that, especially franchise video games. But he does it in a way that is so that is simultaneously so. Uh, like subtle, but also like suffusing every single component of these games, and I and so yeah. So when you're playing as this as this these three cyber criminals in quadrilateral cowboy, remember that in this universe, hundreds of years in the future, some old space captain will undergo his last journey in flotilla. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, and I don't know how to communicate. I guess why I would make such a grand claim about like sort of. Brendan's overall, like how impressive he is as a game developer. But I, I think when you play his entire, his entire range of I stuff, thought you were going to say oeuvre. I thought I was thinking of saying oeuvre, and then I, <laughs> <laughs> I considered an oeuvre. <laughs> um, I and and then you consider that he, you know, peop, uh, a thing that gets debated a lot is sort of auteur theory, and and there are, uh, there are reasons people are skeptical of it, and there are reasons people are. Um, you know, sort of find some merit in it, but I, but I, I think setting aside that sort of political battle, um, Brendan is someone who does make almost all of the parts that go into his games, which is which is not unusual in independent development, but I think is not common when executed at this level of taste, right? Like his games are sort of unpolished in some way, in, ter- in some ways, in terms of like. Um, super high fidelity like movement code and, and things like that that you'd expect out of a AAA game. But in terms of the sensibility and taste applied to all the different disciplines, he's operating at a level that I think is extremely uncommon and, and unusual and I think serves as like a very, very, very strong uh, example of how it's possible to apply some kind of, of creative and game design sensibility that spans game design genres which which is which is difficult and unusual i think um and also communicates very strong world building and story without overly relying on a huge amount of text and explicit narrative content like it's just mm-hmm. I, I think his, his works in total are sort of a masterclass in a lot of things that are very specific to to video games and are executed at an, an extraordinary level of sort of uniqueness and vision. And I will cap this all off by saying that we know Brandon and are, <laughs> you know, have have worked with him in some fashion. You so indeed did well, the like, soundtrack. Too. Like I you did, did the soundtrack to Thirty Flights of Loving. And yeah. Thirty Flights of Loving was actually produced because we sort of it was po- funded by Idle Thumbs. Yeah, we poked yeah. Brendan into making it as a reward for our 2012 Kickstarter. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing that maybe I'm the most proud of coming out of that. Yeah, also, this recording studio and us having a small yeah. business and this podcast <laughs> existing. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who backed our Kickstarter. Also, as a weird side effect, um, I feel like we somehow goaded Brendan Chung into making a sequel to Gravity Bone, which is yeah. uh, 
Yeah, which is which I think is has proven to be an even more kind of influential game than Gravity Bone was. So which is congrats awesome, to but... us. Uh, Idle Thumbs <laughs> yeah, did it again. Yeah. And so I, I say all that stuff um, because I'm uh, a colluding shill mm. and uh, his game gets a 10 oh, yeah. from me. That's sure. for sure. Uh, so, but, I, but I do like I, I do think that I would feel that way regardless. Yeah. Uh, also, I because I felt that way before, and that's why we wanted to make a game. <laughs> to cap off the colluding shill segment, uh, I I ended up leading the creation of the trailer for Quadrilateral Cowboy, <laughs> yeah. which Chris wrote the script for. Uh, and uh, whoa, is the script like? Oh, the execute scene. No, three. no, no. The, the, no, no uh, it's like, wait, I, I, I want to talk about the stupid trailer for half a second because <laughs> Brendan sent me a test build of the game. Probably, I mean. Uh, almost a couple years ago at this point, and I got this idea for a trailer, which was showing all of the crazy devices and all of the crazy ways that you hack into systems and infiltrate the world in this game. And there's a bunch. Like, we talked about the hacking deck only, but as the game goes on, the sort of fiction of it is you use the money you get from these heists to buy an increasingly outrageous arsenal of hacking tools. The tools themselves are awesome. Like One of the first things you do in this game is build a computer. Right? Yes. Like you go to a, a <laughs> oh, cupboard, take out the yeah. RAM, put it in yeah, the, the machine. The first heist yeah. that you do, you only have a little hand controller, and it's revealed that the reason that you're doing that heist is to get like the sickest CPU available <laughs> to put <laughs> into your home-built computer. Awesome. Uh, but uh, I had this idea of... It's like a fake 80s TV broadcast news anchor telling a story about cyber criminals and how it's a threat to the world and how you need to watch your back because people are going to hack you and having that audio play over just a crazy montage of the most outrageous fake retro that hacking in the excellent. game. And uh, Brendan uh, was convinced quickly into letting us make that. So Chris and I uh, – <laughs> Or Chris, Chris wrote the newscaster script. Our friend uh, Aaron Ash, who or Aaron, uh, who does a lot of voice acting under the name Aaron Yvette, uh, did the news anchor voice, and then Derek Liu, who does a bunch of trailers for the Behemoth and Campo Santo, put it together. And I'm I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Also, we don't we're not we stand to gain no profit from the success of this game. So yeah. Also, please don't draw MS Paint. Red arrow shit because we have no we have no financial upside on this whatsoever. In fact, no. we also have made z- literally zero cents on thirty flights of yeah, love. That's true. Also, we said Brendan, you we will we will give you some money if the, from the Kickstarter, but that was basically us giving Brendan our Kickstarter money and not making any money off any of it. Yeah, yeah. So this is like enthusiasm only. It's anti-collusion. Yeah. If, uh, we were, the if, if we're colluders, we're the shittiest ones <laughs> when it comes to this stuff because we we it didn't we literally didn't even think of making money. Like, well, speak for yourselves. I, well, I've been cashing mean, in. So often when people say, like, <laughs> I wouldn't even think of it, what they mean is, I did think of it, and my principles are such that mm. I decided it would be unconscionable for me to accept yes. money from this. No, no, we literally didn't think of it. Uh, we actually did not even occur to us Chris, that maybe... I, I was paid to make the trailer, but then I gave all the money to oh, Derek Lou and Aaron. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't even offer me any. So I, know, cool. I, knew, I knew you Whoa. would do it for free. So, uh, <laughs> wow. I also knew that I was already majorly underpaying the people who were helping me. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, we're getting That's little, okay. Anyway, now we're anti-colluding in the point that I'm talking about just being uh, – anyway, it was, a, it, it was a favor for a friend and enthusiasm. Uh, I want to ask you guys one question, which is just how far into the game did you guys both get? Well, it's I don't know. I don't know how to answer that or, exactly because I've – About all, I, what, which job are you well, on? Well, I don't know because I – the released game, I, I've only played the first few, but okay. the I, like you, I had a development build of this okay. game, and so I've played two different points of the campaign okay. at different times. But I don't know how that tracks to the current yeah, one. I played like the first three, I think, and then I but I watched uh, some people on 
uh, Twitch playing some later stages and stuff, and there was right, some well, like crazy jumping things yeah. going on. If, and... When you guys get to the end, I want to talk to you just about the story and about the stuff oh, cool. that happens. So we could do a, okay. a, a quicker quadrilateral cowboy segment sometime. This would be in the a future. fun game to stream at some point. Also, it would. Yeah. yeah. Also, just man, I'm really looking studio. forward to speed runs of this thing. I've watched. Oh yeah. I've already watched a few just in the first couple days of release where people just pre-program huge functions to complete the level automatically and just like. Then the, the sort of agility, mobility stuff comes into it really heavily because you can mantle all over the place and you can do quake sort of strafe jumpy shit. So like – anyway, whatever. We've talked about this game for way longer than we probably yeah. should have. So Again, um, <laughs> since we've, we've slipped into our classic not referring to it by name, the game is Quadrilateral Cowboy by Blendo Games. I said that just a second ago. Uh, since Jake has never mentioned the name of this quadrilateral game <laughs> ever. Cowboy. The, na- the game is parallelogram. Parallelogram. We are going to take Cowboy. a break now, and we'll be back in just a second. Okay. Video games. This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by the Idle Thumbs Store. Our favorite sponsor. Wow. Oh, good yeah. sponsor. I know. We get a real good commission off these ads. <laughs> <laughs> it actually, I mean, it actually sort of right now is brought to you by that because uh, we finally have some stuff back in stock that people kept asking us about. Such as the original, which is the white on navy blue T-shirt with the really nice illustrated Idle Thumbs logo, uh, the Idle Thumbs Network logo, and also the Cold Bloom, mm. our ridiculous uh, foam beer koozie or general aluminum can insulation, aluminum <laughs> can or glass bottle insulator that will keep your your hot drinks hot and your cool drinks cool. Or your room um, temperature drinks. Or your room temperature, room temperature drinks, room temperature, just like the the room. I mean, it, it's better than a room, though. It's, yeah. It'll maintain that temperature even if you walk into yeah. a cold or warm location. That's the best case scenario. Like, there's not a cold drink, but hey, at least it won't get hot in your hands. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, we're actually pretty close to selling out of the run of the cold bloom we did. But more are on the way. They're being more manufactured way, yes. now. So if you place an order on the store for the cold bloom, um, don't I mean? There may it, be a delay in getting them to you of a few weeks, but we'll see. Yeah, if it if it looks like the uh, yeah, we'll either take it off the store if it looks like it's going to be a while before the orders come in, or if it looks like we can you know pretty quickly get those fulfilled, we'll just leave it up and uh, we'll if that's the case, we'll put a note on there saying that you might have a bit longer delay until you get it. But um, we don't actually. It's really hard for us to estimate demand. For this stuff because we're a very small organization. So if you do um, want one, it's probably better to order it sooner rather than later so that we don't end up in this problem again in a couple weeks. Uh, Anyway, speaking of the store, uh, we got a great email from Samuel Tritch who writes, This isn't really a question. I'm a longtime listener of the show who recently picked up the original Idle Thumbs shirt, and I wanted to write in and thank you for selling quality merch on the internet. (laughs) Seriously, I have bought many regrettable t-shirts through the internet with shitty printing and scratchy materials. It's very easy to rip people off when they're buying a product they can't touch or look at very closely. Thank you for selling high-quality stuff anyway. It's awesome, Sam. So that, that was a really... I was really happy to get that email because we really do care a lot about that. We personally... We... The... Um, we source our t-shirts personally. So we, we like evaluate them 
at the wholesale level and uh, before we start printing anything. And then when they are printed, they're printed here in San Francisco by a local screen printer who we directly interact with and do quality. Like We, we always actually walk over when they yes. print them and make sure that they are not eating shit. Yep. So it's, uh, it's really important to us that this stuff actually be good. Um, even with the stupid cold bloom, which is like a, basically a ridiculous. We used the item. good foam beer koozie. We did. We got the <laughs> we got the one with the actual bottom, not the like crappy folding one that is like shitty um, and, and with no bottom. This is on like it. real thick foam it for is. your cold it bloom. It's, 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 it's impressive. A, it's a quality item, and so we we try really hard to make this stuff. <laughs> even our shitty good. stuff is good. It's true. Even our shitty stuff is good. Idle thumbs. <laughs> I mean, no, no, it's not always true. Sometimes it's just sometimes it's just bad. But the merch, the physical merchandise, is always good. Anyway, that's at store.idlethumbs.net. Um, we are also look, trying hard to get the Idle Vice t-shirt back in stock. That's the uh, the white and blue on sort of hot pink shirt mm. that has been highly requested. And we It turns only... out it's hard to get that sort of neon pink pomegranate yeah. color shirt in a good material in high quantity. Uh, are the, the, the previous supplier we use no longer sells that color. Yeah, so, so we're working on it. Anyway, merchandise. Mm-hmm. Store.idlethumbs.net. Thanks, Idle Thumbs. Oh, you're welcome, Chris. Oh, and I say you're welcome. This week on the ad, I'm actually from the organization. It's true. We're welcoming nice. you. Yeah. Thanks, Beff. No problem. Yeah. See? It works every time. Video games. All right. We're back. Hey. Hello. Headlander. Headlander. Another Continuing the collusion game. cast. <laughs> <laughs> so, Speff, you work at Double Fine Productions. I do. I've worked on Headlander for a while now. We have launched it yesterday. Yeah. It's awesome. I like it a lot. My first experience with it was I just streamed it because I thought that would be fun, and it was. That's an um, excellent gif of you. Uh, oh, yeah. There's, there's <laughs> an animation of me freaking out when I realized that you can dance as any of the civilians in that game because I was legitimately like blown away by that. Before we get too, too deep into what Headlander actually is, I have a since we're talking about you discovering the dance and losing your mind, do different civilians have different dances or do different like parts of the ship have have different dances that happen? Yeah, that... the different civilian yeah. bodies all have their own dances. Okay, yes. and the music responds when you're dancing? Well, the music just plays their dance music. It plays music, their dance music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's... Sorry, I, I wanted to set the stage for Headlander by, by oh, yeah, asking yeah. that detailed question. <laughs> oh, of, yeah, for sure. It's all so, about dancing. We've certainly so need thing, to know about this game. It has a single-player campaign in <laughs> a style that Chris likes, and you can dance well, at any time. Well, I want to say what style it is, what it is that I like. Oh, uh, so. people can just figure that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. So the <laughs> Quadrilateral Cowboy and Headlander are not similar in any way mom- on a moment-to-moment level, really. Um, you know, it's first versus third person. Like, it's... You know, Headlander is this sort of, like puzzly metroidvania side scrolling platformy thing and quadrilateral cowboy is a first person sort of sneaking hacking simulator and they're they're very different and and they look totally different completely different but but they're both are like very constrained in scope in a way that makes me feel like I'm not playing something huge and overindulgent and overwhelming um and they both feel like I can just sort of have fun with them from start to finish uh, without uh, the game trying sort of trying to overtly like do more narratively than I think it's actually going to succeed at doing. Um, and that's just something I really value in video games at this point. Um, I think exercising restraint is really, really hard and I really like when games do it. And these games, this is like a category of game that used to be really common in the sort of Xbox Live Arcade era, right? It's mm. like, oh, it's this sort of, Small scope thing that has some really clever ideas, looks really cool, um, and it's got like a beginning, middle, and end, and you kind of play through it. And uh, that has sort of given way to, on the indie side, 
um, infinitely repeatable like survival or simulation stuff, which I which I do also love, admittedly. Um, and then on the AAA side, sort of doubling down on huge blockbuster stuff. And so this kind of middle ground is is what I love possibly the most, um, or if not the most, as much as anything else. Um, and I'm really – this week is – there's two of them that came out and they, I like them both a lot. So that's very exciting to me. I feel like I shouldn't talk about Headlander. be too more too much like me marketing. Yeah, fair enough. Game, well, but I'll uh, yeah. also chime in. Well, you described it as a, as a Metroidvania, which seems correct. It's, uh, it, the entire game is 3D though, very similar to like Shadow Complex. Was that the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. the game by Chair that was on the Xbox 360? Which this game – Headlander has a completely insane retro future style. Like it looks like it's like – Every movie of the sort of like Logan's Run, mm-hmm. uh, like yeah, the, the 70s science fiction, 70s science fiction, like the the yeah. the more sort of weird bulbous uh, white plastic elements of 2001: A Space Odyssey, plus sort of like with the psychedelic sci-fi. with the psychedelic yeah. sci-fi stuff going on, like it it all looks like when you think about like um, totally cheap paperback novel 70s <laughs> sci-fi book covers, like. <laughs> Uh, if there was a world that was entirely that forever, that's the aesthetic of this game. And it's, uh, it's, it's creative director is Lee Petty, who, uh, was, I think the art director on Broken Age. And also he was the lead on stacking at Double Fine Mm -hmm. and also, uh, was, an art lead on Brutal Legend, but he was the lead on this game. And that dude is a boss. Uh, every game that he makes is like visually, wild looking but then also incredibly crisp like um yeah. but anyway what you actually do in this game you play as the last the last human being in a future where all humanity is replaced by robots but um you you are the last part of a human being you're just a head in a little helmet with a jetpack on so you <laughs> fly around the world and either shoot or tear heads off of any of the enemy npcs or, civi- or civilian and friendly NPCs, yeah. and just your head uh, is uses the same universal dock as every robot head, so you can then take over anybody. Uh, you can take over anybody. You then get their That's weapons the or their on. abilities, and you use those things to defeat other characters or gain access to other parts of the world in this gigantic Super Metroid E looking map like the super metroid stuff seems to yep. map pretty heavily like when you take mm-hmm. over the head of a like mall guide robot uh you get more map information out of it because it has a map in it uh right. and there's i mean and there's there's you know stuff that's like metroid there are little rooms that just serve to sort of give you a one-time upgrade and yep. so i mean there's a lot of a lot of parallels what's yeah. different about it though is the combat and the navigation yeah. right like in mm-hmm. he- in headlander there's not a jump button you can fly around when you're just the head and you get it seems like you get infinite flying time but once you've yep. docked with a robot um robots can't jump very well apparently it turns out uh but they can shoot laser beams that bounce all over the place which seems like it ends up com- creating from my experience watching streams at least looks like some weird combination of Using the bounces to solve puzzles, and then also sometimes when you're a flying head, it almost looks like a bullet hell game in mm-hmm. times when you're just dodging shots to try and get to your objective. I don't know. Does that describe yeah. this yeah. stuff accurately? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It definitely yep. does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. Uh, I, I like wa- that it, in terms of like Metroidvanias, I think it's a lot more uh, casual – 
like more accessible perhaps than a lot of the really crazy long ones that make you backtrack all over the place. It's That's like true, that. although it, it does get pretty intense in combat. Like yeah, rooms combat are filled with lasers in, the, in a way that is more more intense than I expected. When you clear when you a room, die, it usually just spawns you back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you clear a room you in Headlander, going. is it like a Metroid game in that the enemies respawn when you come back into the room? Or when you clear a room, does it then just become a, a more still space that you can traverse? It kind of depends on the It depends on the, on the situation. Often okay. they will come back because they're, because in addition to being sort of combat enemies, you... Enemies also like ha- need to exist for you to sort of traverse or solve the puzzle, like to solve the traversal puzzle, basically. So, let's say you need to um, get through a door on an upper level, and you're on the lower level. You you can't just like take your head and fly around because you to open the door, you need to be wearing the appropriate security clearance body to get through it. So if if there's so no longer need to a be person up on that platform, right. yeah, you can't you need their body to get through there. So like, yeah, so that's a case where um that that enemy might, there might be an actual enemy spawner up I there. I find that actually cool. The fact that the enemy types yeah. are used to solve the puzzles uh-huh. as a justification for Metroid style respawning enemies is actually really cool. Also yeah. the fact that they are robot security that are just being created from nothing over right. and over again by the story. Like that's a that's actually a really nice cohesive mm-hmm. mix of, of of things. That's really cool. Yeah, I agree. I, and um, and I you really can love the setting it. of of headline. I'm do- I need to double down on my disclaimer I work on this game, but um, <laughs> It's that that 70s science fiction setting. <clears throat> Lee is obsessed with that era of science yeah. fiction and it's cuz it was like he, design rules in that era, right? Like just yeah. architecture, weird style forward, weird typography forward, weird colors forward. And like, just the mm-hmm. the themes of the story as well, like you know, the a lot of the science fiction there is all about weird dystopian futures that were just missing this human element that they needed in order for everyone to be happy. And right. this game is kind of yeah, all, about all about literally like, a missing human element yeah. that's in this weird utopia, dystopia place that is confusing. But it's also super analog. It's The robots have fiberglass bodies, and it's like this kind of mm-hmm. strange 70s future. Yeah. Um, There's but, a yeah, lot of shag carpet. Worlds, yeah, like, shag you, carpet. Like, a lot of soil, conversation soil pits. Green or Logan's Run or whatever. It's all like, we've solved all the problems, but like, oh, secretly, that all like rests <laughs> on this horrible thing that we had to do in order to solve the problem and... and yeah. yeah, there's some really weird stuff in there. Also, the, that's part of the you know 70s science fiction is fucking weird. It's really weird. I know. It's very yeah. sexual. Yep, like, yep. Very, so this game is like filled with phallic nonsense and strange, like the fondalarium. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a big room, <laughs> yep. robots undulating against big <laughs> uh, dildos and anal beads hanging from the ceiling and shit like that. <laughs> it's like the craziest, craziest thing. I think Lee was really like, uh, how far can we? How far can we push this? Like, will, will Adult Swim, will, the Adult Swim publishers game, and they're kind of weird. They seem oh, like they'd be fine with a fondalarium, though. Yeah. That seems they were like... completely happy with everything, and there's some really weird shit in this game. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, actually playing more of it. There's the, I, this this year has gone in these waves where I'll I'll go weeks where I'll just sort of fall into just like oh I'm just gonna keep playing the thing I was already playing, mm-hmm. and then suddenly there'll be a week where now there's like three things that I, I really want to play more of, and I don't know how I'm going to find the time for it. I guess that's just how it goes. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been a good week of things that are interesting and affiliated yeah. with Idle Thumbs because uh, also if you are a console player who was hoping to play Hyperlight Drifter, that's mm-hmm. on PS4 now uh, as of this week as well. Uh, a game 
Partially designed by Idle Thumbs Network podcast uh, host uh, Teddy Beef. True. Just you know to keep the keep the train and then, moving. And then here. there's other stuff that I barely even know anything about, like uh, We Happy Few. Yep. Which came out on Steam Early Access this week and which... just flew right up the charts on Steam. Did it? Yeah. Oh wow! I didn't it even was doing, see that. It's been, oh, that's it, cool. Yeah. Oh, I cool. yeah. I, I think I did. At least I'm, I don't. I don't. I don't think I'm crazy right now. No, I mean I believe you. I'm part of par- partially. I believe you because that game, I guess, is actually a sort of replayable survival game, which I totally didn't realize when I when you look at the trailers for that game. One, it looks like a. I mean, just visually, it has so many things in common with Bioshock Infinite in terms of just how the how it's textured and lit and 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 how the sort of geometry is uh, constructed. Um, proportionally but uh which was although as it turns out so i so yeah, I th- because I think... of that superficial similarity i'm like oh okay this is going to be a sort of single player story campaign apparently not i mean it is single player I think but the, the scale yeah. of it is smaller than something like daisy but i i think that it's it's it, its inner workings are similar to daisy where the world architecture is a little bit more cast in stone, but then the enemies and drops that are inside of the game get random rolled inside of that. So there's not always going to be a health or a weapon or a guy in various places. So you can rerun spaces and different Mm -hmm. things happen inside of them, but it's not like, I don't think it's building whole worlds out of chunks. Like, like, uh, like a like a roguelike. Sure, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So that's, we happy few and none of us have, I don't think have played it, No, but, but I'm Mm -hmm. curious about it. Um, I want to quickly, before we get into reader mail, touch on RimWorld again, because I essentially what happened last night during my RimWorld stream, which was part seven, I believe, of my my ongoing RimWorld series, um, my co- that is that for reasons that I that I will leave to you to witness, that was the conclusion of the video <laughs> games colony. It was quite a bad a thing. A bad thing happened <laughs> in that. <laughs> So Man, I'm um, excited I, to I, find out about that. Yeah, I, I put it up to uh, sort of an informal vote among the uh, stream viewers as to whether they wanted me to um, reload a save and keep going with that colony or whether they wanted me to to create a new colony. And it was overwhelmingly in favor of creating a new colony, which I wow. I agree with. I think that would be fun with given the knowledge that I've accrued yeah. from my first colony. Um, the one So I, I don't really need to talk very much more about this. It's that... Um, twitch.tv slash idle thumbs is where I do the stream and all of those streams get immediately as, as quick as I can archived at youtube.com slash idle videos but I did I I talked about my colony a lot last week about all the crazy shit that happened on it and then as soon as that episode went up and the forum thread was posted immediately people started re- literally like the first response to that forum post um, included there were multiple people who pointed out all this shit I forgot to mention that was even more insane about my colony than what I remembered <laughs> uh, for the purpose of that episode. And so I'm just going to, uh, in lieu of myself talking a lot more about RimWorld, I'm just going to read a couple of these forum posts. Uh, Nappy says, the RimWorld streams have been amazing. Chris forgot to mention that after forcing Danielle's mom to deal with that crazy Timberwolf and turn- turning it into kibble, she felt so stressed that she, a known pyromaniac, decided to set the base on fire while everyone except for one hardworking teen was sleeping. He also made the crew butcher a human they had killed. So, you know, they're not just cr- complaining about the ugly surroundings and cramped bedrooms. They have serious psychological issues to deal with. Seriously, watch <laughs> those streams, everyone. I need to actually add an additional thing about this, which isn't, the, isn't just that she decided to set the base on fire. She actually, she, she took the dead timber wolf corpse, 
put it on the stove and then lit it on fire <laughs> as like some kind of sa- ritual sacrifice or something. I, it was just cooking. It she was just cooking. had a lot of anxiety about that Timberwolf. It was like, I need to destroy this by the only means that I understand. Fire. Setting it on fire yeah. inside the house. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Unimur- Unimural also replied, good cast. I'm quite taken by Chris's RimWorld streams. I have to clarify one thing with regards to his story. Jake said, Nick Brecken was born and still is Nick Brecken. In fact, Nick Goldblum Brecken is a vat-grown soldier. Whoa. The Nick Brecken IP obviously outlives us all and is used as a template for the soldiers of the future. Also worth noting is that this character's past life has left him incapable of violence, caring, and social behavior. And he has a bad back. That's, yeah, that sounds like Nick. Those things are, those things are also true. So... Um, uh, he also says having stone walls is probably a good idea when one of your colonists is a pyromaniac. <laughs> uh, there, there, so there was there like were, an age old saying. Hearing all it? this reader supply detail makes me understand why this game is seriously scratching the dwarf fortress itch exactly, for a lot of people. Yes. Like mm, this yes. much, this much shit stacked this early into this game's existence. And, and this is the thing that was like the first one or two episodes maybe I mean so much more completely bonkers shit has happened I'm not going to tr- even attempt to recap what has happened in the last week of RimWorld streams but like yeah this game is a is a high quality story generator there have been oh yeah <laughs> one thing I will say characters can create art they can sculpt art out of raw materials <laughs> and there are two artists in my base Nick Brecken and this teen Kim who, who joined um, <laughs> after a few days they have made like the they're sort of toiling away on these sculptures. The moment when they finish the, the sculpture and then the game actually like ex- like describes what is depicted by the sculpture, those are, I will say, big moments. <laughs> when you actually first read the description of like, this is what Nick Brecken has crafted out of slate is I'm, – I'm not even going to attempt to remember the crazy shit that these people sculpt. <laughs> <laughs> nudes have been involved, certainly. Um, that wow. Nudes. Like nudes. Baseline. That's very tasteful, though. Yeah. Anyway, Is so. Is it? <laughs> it uh, was that adjective uh, there or not? <laughs> well. Not necessarily. Um, so I'm going to, I I do plan on restarting a RimWorld colony, um, probably on a, on a higher difficulty level. So um, I, I imagine that means more tragedies and insane shit will happen, but. I'm looking forward to it. You can again. You can follow if you go to Twitch.tv/idlethumbs. You can follow that channel for notifications when we go live, and uh, then if you subscribe to YouTube.com/idlevideos, uh, you'll get notified about all the videos going up. We also have some, possibly even by the time you hear this, construction some, going on in the building. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some new uh, Idle Thumbs kind of podcast highlights assembled by our tireless weekly YouTube uploader Johnny Driggs. Will will go live. So these cool. these ones are shorter than some of the other ones we've done. They're like ten to fifteen minutes long. So these are good conversations to sort of share with people to say, here's an example of some like just self contained stupid bullshit. Or to enjoy it for yourself. Or From you know back yourself. when Idle yeah. Thumbs was good. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. Um, anyway, is it reader mail time? I think it is. Okay, uh, I want to before we get into reader mail, I want to say a quick thing about. Last week, I talked a lot about Steam Economy stuff. Or mm-hmm. I didn't even talk a lot about it, but um, lest people put too much stock in what I was saying, uh, anything that I s- 
just it's a, just a reminder that when I'm talking about this stuff, a lot of it is just off the cuff, and it's my own personal mm-hmm. feelings about stuff. So, so do not act, literally invest in stock based on Jake's opinion. Yes, uh, <laughs> in in the words of the internet, I you mean invest in even invest in Counter Strike Go gun skins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, do just not I mean, you know, it's just it's my personal opinion. It's all stuff that just comes to mind in the middle of a podcast recording. Uh, the steam economy is a completely insane labyrinthine operation that touches a bazillion people and a bazillion businesses. And it's just shooting the shit on a podcast, not, not trying to speak for anyone else or give any sort of grand, uh, Opinion, dear Idle Thumbs. I lost all my money <laughs> <laughs> investing in Counter Strike skins because Jake advised me to. <laughs> you know, yeah. All right, so um, just don't gaze too long into the into the heart of Steam. It will it will drive you mad or bring you wild success. My like, lord, probably give, <laughs> probably give you some trading cards too while it's at it. I don't actually have any Firewatch trading cards. <gasps> That's weird. Have you not run it since it came out? I oh, I have. I mean, for a while, just opening the editor meant Firewatch was idling no, in the no, background. I know, but since it came out, yeah, drop right. Then why do you not have any cards? I don't know. Give you cards. Oh, you know what? <laughs> because I gifted myself all of the cards in the admin <laughs> tool. You do have all the cards. <laughs> I have all of them. Sorry. Anyway, like I said, I don't know anything about what I'm talking collusion. about when I talk about yeah. Steam I stuff. I have no cards. I do, oh, I have all. I do know quite a lot about colluding and giving myself <laughs> the things that I deserve in this world. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Like Steam trading cards. <laughs> oh, wow. You're so rich. You probably now. could have sold those for like $2 the first day it came out when they were still yeah. rare. Um, man, when you said uh, you're so rich now, what it reminded me of, do you remember when the uh, iPhone App Store first came out and someone made that app that was just called I Am, <laughs> rich, I am rich? And it cost like $500 and it was just a picture of a diamond? It was yeah. an icon that did nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, as the creator of I Am Rich, let me tell you this investing <laughs> advice. <laughs> let me tell you this about – no. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Johannes Isaacson writes in about death and continuity. Hi, Thumbs. In the last episode, you talked about Inside and how you tend to incorporate the repeated deaths of the main character in this genre of games into some kind of overarching narrative. But you didn't feel this way about, for example, Half-Life 2. I have a thought about that. Frequently when a side-scrolling game restores you to a checkpoint after death, there's a seamless transition where you just appear back at the checkpoint. Sometimes you can even see your character appear, and sometimes the camera doesn't move instantly but travels back to the checkpoint at some slower than instant speed. In contrast, in 3D games like Half-Life 2, you almost invariably have to suffer through a loading screen that makes a sharp cut in the continuity of the experience. Also, in the latter case, you often return to an exact spot where you as a player stood while pressing the save button. All numerical game state is also typically restored, like ammunition and health. In the case of a checkpoint system, however, you might return to a position that you never inhabited before. Of course, there are some some of those in certain first-person shooters as well. It's not atypical to retain inventory items and similar. In short, I posit that the sharp cut in the exact restoration of game state as opposed to a fluid transition that only restores an approximate game state makes it more natural to discard the events between the save up until the death as something that, quote, didn't really happen, while in the other case you get the feeling of still being in the same instance of the game world. I know, of course, this concept doesn't apply to all games of either type. See Bioshock for an exception on the first-person shooter side, but I think it's very common. What do you think? All the best, Johannes. I think that's super sharp. I think that's a really good point. Spath nailed it. I guess I was just trying to trying to imagine the, those scenarios and different different games in which they, uh, they happen. You know? Yeah, that Half Life example I think is pretty good because when I when I die in in Half Life or in first person games that have that system, 
uh, and then it rewinds, it does feel like the game is erasing it. Like you almost hear the voice yeah. of Prince of Persia: Sands of Time saying, "That's not what happened." <laughs> Whereas, like when you when you sort of, I mean, I think it's I I actually think the it's not what happened is closer to the inside thing, where like even the even the erroneous telling is something that came out of his mouth. Whereas Half Life is literally just like snap undo like it's there's no there's a there's a there's, no. a there's a load i mean you feel it erasing it i guess i guess yeah i don't feel i feel like you're disagreeing the with the that, reader mail a little bit right oh i'm totally not oh really i don't think so okay <laughs> i mean the the prince of persia is like the game and the character in the game making explicit acknowledgement that's like, yeah, knowingly that's true that like the, the the failure is actually part of the narrative okay i just i don't think that inside is is explicitly saying that didn't happen I don't. I don't think it is either. But there's a difference between the game saying that didn't happen and the character in the game. Sure. Okay. When I happen. when I when I combined the voice from uh, Prince of Persia or Full Throttle or something with the event of Half Life, I was. It was more that the game was saying that to me. Like it feels like in Half Life, when I die and it is erased, the game is actually saying, like the way that it, the way that it handles death and reloading, it feels like the game is saying your memory of this failure should be stricken from the record. It should be right. excised from your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas. <laughs> Um, like there's, this is two totally different versions, but Super Meat Boy is like instant wipe. And mm-hmm. obviously Super Meat Boy leans into it hard by showing you all of your deaths right, at the end. But yeah. Super Meat Boy is feeling like it's just saying that was one attempt of many and it is yeah. on the record. And, uh, inside it feels more like the deaths, it's not telling you to forget them. It's telling you to remember all of mm-hmm. them. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, which is, which is, whereas, uh, I mean, whereas it seems like Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, when the prince says that didn't happen, that's putting a little fun button on the fact that you should still be forgetting that it happened. Well, sort of. But Prince of Persia is also a game in which you can literally in real – like in the middle of the actual game, rewind Revert. it in front of your own That's eyes. True. So Prince of Persia is a game that is playful about that stuff in all – there's a sense of time anyways. A game yeah. that is like in all ways it, it acknowledges that and folds it into the overall fabric of the game yeah. in a way that I think a Half-Life absolutely doesn't. Yeah, no. Which isn't a, a, a knock against Half-Life. It's just not at all what that game does. Yeah, Half Life wants your memory of it to be the time that you perfectly navigated everything and never died. Right. Sure. Yeah. Like your save game by the end of the game, what it's o- it's only a record of your perfect successes. You don't you're any you know. Whereas uh, it feels like Inside or Super Meat Boy carry your deaths with you as mm-hmm. you move through the story. And I mean, and I think to this reader's point, simpler versions of that just exist in your brain when you wipe and the camera doesn't cut and there isn't a load screen. Right. Uh, yeah, that, that, that I love that point about the sort of it feeling like all of these deaths exist in the same instance of the world. Whereas, or like if, if there is a cameraman in those games, the guy disappears and goes, whoa, whoa, where'd he go? Oh, there he is. And then yeah. just like moves the camera back <laughs> over like, oh, okay. I guess there's another one of these guys. Uh, I'll film this one now. <laughs> right. I find it really weird when the games inside choose that, too. that narrative. Well, the narrator says, like, oh, that's not really what happened. Uh, especially if it happens a lot to you. It's like if someone was telling you a story – and the kept just making up a bunch oh, of yeah. shit. I was like, actually, that's not I mean, really we, what we, happened. We, we, we talked about that a about ton that. when Sands of Time came out about oh, just really? how, how <laughs> fucked and insane that the story, like if you're the princess, just hearing him be like, no, no, like, no, 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 that's not what happened. I found these spikes, but <laughs> wait, then wait, I fell wait, on wait, them. Wait, wait, but then I fell on them, but then I fell on them. But I didn't. But then I got past them, but then a pterodactyl killed me, but then I fell on the spikes again, but then I didn't. Like We talked about this for like way too long years ago on the show and how... Just How kind of fucking weird and tr- insane. like a troll. Yeah, and then at the end, I love you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I made it to here right now, and now we continue. <laughs> the first game, but then I died. That. I guess it was, 
It's like Monkey Island 2, where it kind of begins when... Monkey Island 2 is a frame story, and then there's one... You die in that game where you get turned into a chair, it's like... And she cuts to Elaine, like, really? Is that really That's what not, happened? You're like, oh, no, no, no okay. Uh, not really. Not really. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like it that it calls into question pretty much everything in the story. Like, everything that you have played could just be made up. That's true. That's <laughs> in, in a game that is a frame story that can have one of those that just have places where it eats yeah. shit, then you're like, you oh, weren't cold out well, I guess it. that I might just be living a bullshit story. <laughs> but, Yeah. It'd be really weird in Half-Life if it did pan the camera back. Like, if it did just go, like, all the way back through all the corridors and head crabs spring to, like, just whatever. Bullets <laughs> fly back into well, you. The version that would be completely, oh, completely weird is a Half-Life where Gordon dies and goes, and then the camera just goes, and just... Uh, just no clips out of his oh, yeah. head into the back of another guy. You know, all the enemies are still like, I'll find you or whatever. I guess they're combine guys. They go, and that's all that they say. <laughs> but they uh, mean I'll find you. They mean I'll members. find you. Yeah. <laughs> or the, I mean, in, in we've had a lot of discussions about what enemies do in stupid situations, but like the, the splinter cell the with, with guys, the guys screaming yeah. about Fisher, if when you die, the camera just fucking sloppily flies through the level to another Fisher who just has spawned because they just didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> those guys would remember at that point. They would be like, I- "That's why. Th- that's why those guys are so fucking overwhelmed by Fisher. They're like, this guy's fucking everywhere. <laughs> he literally is everywhere. Fisher, there are this, infinite. This, this is just like a, a Christopher Nolan non-Batman movie conceit, uh, right? Yeah. Where just every time you die, you just a corpse of you is left behind, and another one of you spawns oh, without man. the level reloading, oh and you just keep god. playing. Oh my god, that would be a great like game jam. Game. Yeah, that probably is. A, there probably is. They're a game like the game swapper of kind of has that going. The swapper on does kind where, of have that going. Where on, you, yeah. where it's, true, it's, it's like, it, are yeah. you teleporting? Are you respawning? Or yeah, are yeah, yeah. you just are you dropping into new bodies? Or like, what yeah. is uncomfortable things are happening with with character? Uh, yeah, with with like the implications of video game mechanics are explored a little bit mm-hmm. in that game in a way that's pretty God, good. I, I think I did play a game jam game that actually that's, that is kind of like this and now I can't remember what it is. But I'm where, sure where your someone new, listening probably Where your ragdolled corpse stays behind I and that's so. actually canon. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think I've, I've played that possibly. I, but I can't remember what it is. Anyway. That would be crazy. Just walking through a whole map, a whole level, even a whole game just littered with corpses of, of you. Failed attempts <laughs> yeah. of just yeah. stuff everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Weird. All right. So Bobby Vickery writes, hey, Thumbs, longtime listener, first time writer. I wanted to take a moment and share the results of some research I did on the possible origins of the name of Chris's recent favorite puzzle RPG by Michael Brog in Brolio. Although the game is quite clever, it seems Brog has extended his genius to a great play on words between his own name and the scenario he created. Merriam-Webster provides five definitions of the word, but three that stand out to me are, one, a confused mass, two, an intricate or complicated situation as in a drama or novel, three, a violently confused or bitterly complicated altercation. These are great, so I dug further. Some research turns up root words in Italian and French. The meanings are, the words are embroliare and brûlier, meaning to entangle and to confuse. I'm sure this means there's a Latin root out there, but I can't find it. The word embroglio first came to the English language in 1750 to mean a jumble. Thought you might appreciate the results of this research and appreciate Brog's slyness, slyness even just a smidge more by knowing. Sly Brog. Bobby Vickery. Embroglio. Um, and then I guess is our last email... Uh, I wanted to read something. Nick Brecken writes, help, I am trapped in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't start the podcast. I was trying to get into shape and got into the wrong shape. (laughs) Now I cannot leave. I cannot leave. (laughs) The square peg does not fit. Yes, I I am not a rolling or walking shape and am therefore (laughs) stuck in my home. (laughs) That's like a strange Headlander uh, scenario. (laughs) Yeah. 
I have docked onto a non-moving. Become a triangle for the door is triangle. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys seen the uh, like Batman procedural episode generator? No. Have you guys seen this? <laughs> I, I saw it and I didn't read it because I thought there was a chance that you would read one of them on the show. Well, someone someone replied. Did a did a someone. So what is the gist of the Batman procedural? I, I don't know because generator? I can't even find the. I, I searched for. Batman episode. It sounded like it was some sort of predictive text, natural language thing that took a bunch of Batman scripts and then attempted to write one out by sort of trying to find <laughs> what the logical next phrase should be until it right. decided that it I've had reached the end. I've seen a bunch of those for like Friends episodes yeah. or whatever, right? Um, that's exciting that there's a Batman one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I imagine so, it sounds like that Spider-Man trading card. Is that where we're I I, we're going to find out? I guess okay. I haven't. I, I intentionally didn't didn't actually okay. uh, read through it. So someone, rep- Joe Martin, um, posted this. Joe th- uh, Joe th- uh, Joe Threepwood is his uh, Twitter mm, handle. Classic. And then, mm-hmm. and then someone related in, probably to Guybrush Threepwood. And then someone really? in turn. Yeah tweeted that to us, and I don't know if it was this person or someone else. Sorry, I've, I've lost that tweet. But uh, someone in, clearly sent this to us with the intention that we would read it. And so I'm going to read the, this episode, whose name is already very good. The name of this episode is Batman Loves Him a Criminal. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, synopsis. Batman is looking for a secret weapon to use on his birthday. He gets involved with gangs and discovers that this is exactly what he wants. Batman learns that he has been abducted from his past, and he is merely a series of stories related to justice. (laughs) (laughs) That's not wrong. That's too prescient. That's too... (laughs) Too good. Batman isn't paid to destroy crime corners. He is actually attracted to the crimes and also the penguin. (laughs) The penguin begins to fall in love with guns and with gangs all over Gotham. Batman is destroyed. Batman must join the penguin. He loves him a criminal. (laughs) The penguin finds out that Batman is destroyed, and that's where the real victim is. He makes an advance on Gotham's toughest cop, Harvey Dent. Batman finds out. Batman is, is destroyed, and his, and his face is an explosion. Batman must stop the Penguin in order to keep his confidence. He suspects that the Penguin is an addictive face, and he has no choice but to ask for more of the Penguin. The Penguin, the penguin makes things worse by killing Batman. He has happened to Batman, and he is visibly criminal. Batman isn't still around. Batman is in a cloud. The Penguin finds that he is astounded by killing the man who loves him most. He feels responsible for the death of Gotham's prominent Batman. He loves the man that Batman Batman. isn't. (laughs) Batman learns that he is merely being put on parole, which grants Batman the death of his own death. Batman manages to be himself after being struck down by the penguin who he loves. The penguin and Batman solve the mystery of their separate ways and travel to the island of a rescue with an actor best known as Bruce Wayne. (laughs) Batman learns of a dream society in Europe with all of the fabled six months of laughing. He reluctantly decides to obey his daughter, Barbara Batman, and stop his (laughs) medical school in Gotham. The Joker also receives an award for outstanding music and combat. (laughs) 
man, Telltale's Batman game seems like it's fucking weird. Oh, there's too much gold in there. Barbara Batman. That's probably her name. Yeah. But also winning an award from music and combat is the yeah. best award that you can win, I guess. I guess I can see that being a video game award. Yeah. The best music and combat award goes, goes to, yeah. to the Joker. Yeah, it goes to Barbara, Barbara Batman. Yeah. Uh, Joker was yeah. robbed. That's so good. It's so good that it just keeps, yep. it keeps things and then refers to them constantly. Mm-hmm. Thanks, person, for making a robot that made us that Batman yep. story. <laughs> just too good. Too All right, well, good. Thanks for listening to Idle Thumbs. And this construction. And thanks Mm. for listening to this construction noise that has probably ruined this podcast. Um, We can be found on the internet at idlethumbspodcast.com. We are on Twitter at idlethumbs. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash idlethumbs. We have been streaming a lot at idlethumbs.casino. That's true, at idlethumbs.casino. And those videos are archived at youtube.com slash idlevideos. Uh, we have a lot of other podcasts going up uh, these days on our site, including um, Idle Weekend, uh, Three Moves Ahead, Designer Notes, uh, Terminal 7, um, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, the Idle Book Club. Um, it's been it's, – it's pretty cool. Lots of content all the time. Lots of content on the internet so much for your content. ears. I know. And now for your eyes also. <sighs> so, yeah. We haven't yet got mouth content, but we'll get there. <laughs> Mouth, like food? Yeah, I mean, we've got stuff for your eyes and your ears. We need nose and mouth. You could chew on a cold bloom. You could. I mean, <laughs> chew you on could a cold drink. Chew on, you could chew on a cold bloom. Yeah, that's our, our 90s cold bloom <laughs> slogan. slogan. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be inspired by the lascivious contents of Headlander to create some mouth and nose and touch content. Mm. I mean, food can <laughs> knock out all three of those at once. That's true. So just get ready for some food. We're going to start a, a bespoke food delivery subscription box. That's true. Wow. Yeah. I'd subscribe to that, actually. <laughs> Weird you probably curated shouldn't. mess. You really probably should not. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. Oh, and you can send us email at questions at idlethumbs.net. Please send us more generated Batman stories. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I would really welcome them. I m- I, we might not read them all on the show. Jake loves him a generated Batman story. <laughs> <laughs> bye. For, bye. Oh, thanks, Spaff, for appearing. Oh, yeah. No problem. It was my pleasure, sir. Good. Good. That's no nice thanks to Nick Brecken for not appearing. For not appearing. He wasn't in shape. He'll be back in shape soon. Oh, hey, and I totally forgot to mention, I streamed the limited elusive target Hitman mission featuring Gary Busey, or as the level's many NPCs refer to him, Gary Busey. You can find that on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash idle videos. Okay, bye for real.